0: Yeah Like we always do with this Yeah yeah, like we always do at this time i go for mine and made plans for yours Cause I got the shine Go bar for bar, go line for line Like Kobe in 99, I'm so close to prime That bitch by my side, i so close behind We living in a the moment, there's no post to bind. she think there was a deal that I'm supposed to sign The gang's just a mountain that I'm supposed to climb I remember, man, 11 years old when I made it to go Up Hello and welcome to go. another episode of First, Film, Film Soliloquy You're with uh, the, the Dancing and Highsmith of Podcasting My name is Jason I'm Jeff. And here again, we're here to review some movies that we have uh, appointed to us. Jeff has given given me a movie to review. And again, I have gave Jeff a movie to review. And, uh, man, we're going to get right into it. So uh, what we have to do is decide who's going to go first. And uh, I think we'll just go ahead and play a little game, man. Um, yep. what, are, what are you thinking? I'm thinking uh, I got a little the, bit of... I
1: got the hat of games here. Hold on, let me pull yeah, out some... Ahead. And uh, go a staring contest this week.
0: All right. So a staring contest. All right. Out of all them games uh, and all the games we could have pulled out the hat. Staring contest. All right. right let's go. In a one, two, three.
1: Stop breathing in my so, eyes, man. Stop it. So You're going uh, to dry them out. How,
0: how long do you think this going to take? I'm not sure. You got, uh, got some beautiful eyes there, buddy i never yeah. knew your eyes were uh like a they're, tint of green they're burning yeah yeah man i mean i could do this all day bro you know what i'm
1: saying i can
0: you look like you hurting you know you, you...
1: oh god oh, oh you Ow, what? oh what you slapped me
0: what the hell hey man it looks like <laughs> looks like you blinked, buddy
1: <laughs> uh, you could have just well, asked I... to go first I'd well, I mean, fine I... with it. You didn't have to do this. <laughs>
0: hey, uh,
1: hey,
0: your cheeks kind of red, bro. <laughs> I don't want mama. Hey, oh, hey, don't call your mama now. Hey, don't, don't, don't I'm going to call mama. Bro, I need them chocolate chip cookies. You better not call that. You better not call it, man.
1: My bad. Yeah. Hey,
0: let me kiss it for you.
1: No, just, hey, just <laughs> review your movie, man. <laughs> I man, dude, so hey, like say, turn,
0: remember turn the other cheek, bro. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, I guess I'm going first, throw guys. Uh, looks like
1: <laughs> I guess I won the staring wrong, contest.
0: <laughs> I won it fair and square, man. No problems. No problems at all. All right, cool. So, uh, Jeff, the movie had the movie is given me to review is called Little Miss Sunshine. It came out in 2006. It stars Abigail. Uh, Breslin as Olive, Craig Kinnear as Richard the Dad.
1: You got the last name right. Uh, uh, Let's do a little inside baseball here. Beforehand, Jason was practicing how to say the name Kinnear. He got it (laughs) correct, but he failed at saying the name Greg correct. (laughs) I practiced
0: that so hard. (laughs) I got the last name right with the first name wrong. I try. Anyway, uh, Paul Dano. Your boy. <sighs> I can't even do it right. There we go. All right, Alan Arkin and Tony Collette. Mm. Sounds like that travel agency. Did you like, say Steve
1: it... Carell? Did I miss that? I must have missed Oh, that. no,
0: I didn't say Steve Oh, man, I forgot that guy, man. How
1: the hell are you going to forget the? Because <laughs> it's such
0: a one. bummer. He's trying to kill himself again. What? What's up with these movies? All right.
1: Hey, yeah, no, I know I got to record another disclaimer. <laughs> it's going to be great.
0: <laughs> and finally, Steve Carell. All right, cool. So let me give you the plot of this movie right quick. All right. So we got uh, Toni Collette. Her, the character's name is Cheryl. And she's she's a mother of, of two. And I can say, it, man, she's like the only one working in the, ho- in the house. And her husband, who is Greg Kinnear correct oh yes (laughs) who is a a motivational speaker and he's trying to get some type of a book book publishing deal to to advance his career so he can actually earn some money uh there her daughter who is abigail who plays the who's the character olive and her son Dwayne, who is played by paul dano and so long story short (laughs) i'm trying to think how i'm gonna wrap this movie up into one consensus of a plot. So Steve Carell, who's the brother of uh, Tony Collette's character, Cheryl, it, he opens up the scene. He's, he's basically in a mental hospital. He just attempted suicide by, by slitting his wrists and she has to take him on as his caregiver uh, at her own personal home. Uh, so that way he can, she can be his suicide watch and the little daughter who all of super cute girl man i think she, she played that role very well she is a, a beauty pageant contestant and they actually just won uh she won her i guess a regional competition where she can now go into uh i, I don't want to say it
1: is it a national
0: competition Jeff? is it's that how like it the is the next should...
1: step up they, yeah. i don't think it's I don't, know. I don't even think it's a statewide cuz when you get to the end of the movie the venue is not that big it's held in like a hotel um, like conference yep. room so it i, I and, think it's just the regardless.
0: next step up yeah in regard it's in another state so it's kind of a big deal mm-hmm. um so <clears throat> she gets she finally gets into this uh this competition but as you can tell the the family is just uh they're they're they're, they're stretched thin already they only have one income she the, the wife is taking care of two kids her mm-hmm. husband who is you know trying to the fine work, but he doesn't get much pay by being a motivational speaker. And you can even see that his his speeches that he that he does in a classroom. There's only maybe like five occupants in the classroom, so obviously he's not getting getting much money. And his dad stays with him as well, who is a coked up old guy, <laughs> yeah, played by
1: Alan Arkin, who's fantastic. Played
0: by Alan Arkin, yeah, it's pretty good. All right, so. You have this conflict where you have Steve Carell, who's coming into the family, who's just tried to commit suicide. He's got to blend in with this, uh, ensemble of a family, uh, with these, with these actors. It's, they're, they're pretty well, uh, they're, they're pretty good. And you got Paul Dano's character, Dwayne, who is taking a vow of silence. And I forgot what book that he read to, so he can actually take that vow of silence. Or something. Uh, he was, he
1: or. read, uh, Nietzsche. Or something. Because yeah, he has a some... picture of Nietzsche on his wall. And uh, Steve Carell character knows. Because he's this scholar guy. So he knows all about it.
0: Mm-hmm. So he's taking a vow of silence. And the only way he's going to break his silence. Is by obtaining his ultimate goal. By becoming a test fighter pilot. Which is awesome. Man. I would, when I was a kid I wanted to be a fighter pilot too. So that was pretty cool. And the dad Richard. Who is played by. Craig Kinnear, Greg,
1: not Craig, Greg, Greg
0: Kinnear. Played by him. He's he's annoying, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like that annoying dad, like, yeah, you know, there's only there's winners and there's losers. And my daughter's a winner, aren't you? You know, and losers, they give up. I'm like he. He does that type of motivational thing with his family the entire time, and even Steve Carell's character is like he. He does this all the time, and 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 Paul Dano's uh, the his son is like he's just shaking head. Yeah, yeah, he does this, and so there's the immediate conflict is they're they're strapped for cash. Greg the dad needs. uh, He he's trying to sign this important book deal, and. He needs that weekend to solidify that deal. And he can't afford to go out of town because the competition, that next step up for that pageantry level is 800 miles away in uh, California. I forgot the the city. Do you remember?
1: No, I don't remember.
0: I don't remember either. Was it important?
1: No, not not to the plot at all. (laughs) Other than the distance that they travel, which, you know, several days. Mm
0: -hmm. Yep. Redondo. That's what it was. Redondo Beach, California. No clue where that is. I don't know if it's on the north coast, south coast. I don't know where it's at. We California. could
1: have done research, probably well, we so, didn't.
0: but I didn't. I didn't now
1: nah. because it doesn't matter. Sure, it doesn't.
0: It's my review.
1: <laughs> my bad. I'll be quiet now. Sorry. <laughs> no, no. Kendra. I'm just
0: talking. I'm talking to the evidence of people who out there, who uh, get they'll, they'll, they'll let us know. Man, you know they they let us know Nicole Kidman is actually Australian instead yeah. of British. So all
1: right. So Scott from <laughs> Budget Arcade and both Tessa from Tesla and Elliot argue. Decided that I had to know it was so important to know that she's Australian and I'm an idiot. Thank you. So, I mean, I'm
0: pretty sure they'll they'll hit us up after listening to this episode. Anyway, so first things first, you know me, man. I like to I like to dig into it a little bit. So the trip is 800 miles. I'm going to tell you straight up. When I was a kid, I had to travel 800 miles every summer from Florida to Washington, D.C., and the thing took like 13 hours max. I'm talking about we stopped, man. I'm a kid. I'm bored. I want to stop at the south of the border. I have to take a piss. I got to take a dump. I want to buy some <laughs> toys. I want to play my Sega Genesis. I, my battery's dead. Um, no, not Sega Genesis. My um, Sega Game Gear. You know, the batteries only last 30 minutes. Got to pull over again. My dad's cheap. Yep. My, my dad's cheap he only bought those batteries with the black cat on top so them things.
1: <laughs> <laughs> i know exactly which ones you're talking about too had man, batteries
0: life. yeah man I, I couldn't get no duracell as a kid no energizer i didn't even know what that was that was a luxury item never got that so man it took us 13 hours max you telling me they couldn't make this trip in two days whatever all right i get it. it's a movie now another thing too is the 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 type of vehicle that they choose to drive there is this Volkswagen T2 microbus, right? It's bright yellow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> looks like a little, looks like one of them little short buses from, you know, from the school, man. And don't clown. I used to ride that, not because, you know, our bus broke down. Let me tell you, too.
1: my father used to drive those and he took pride in it and he's a good ass bus driver. But go I'm going to tell
0: you straight up too. I'm going to tell you straight up about them buses. All right. I used to clown it myself because, you know, you know, when you're a kid, oh, you ride the short bus. Man, I rode that short bus because our our bus broke down in the hood. Man, them things got air conditioned. I wanted to go back in that bus. <laughs> I loved it. Anyways, don't clown on that. Anyway, it's, the, it's a Volkswagen T2 microbus. They got to drive it across there, across 800 miles, Uh, whatever state they're from. I want to say Arizona all the way to, to California. And obviously it's a piece of crap. All right. Um, It breaks down. And I don't, I don't know too much about stick shifts, but I know that they you blew have, the clutch. Yeah. So they blew the clutch on the stick shift. It's a stick shift, uh, manual transmission and they blew it. And so the only way to get it started again, because they need to order parts, they took it to a mechanic. Like, Hey, listen, you know, it's not going to be here till next week. I know you need to get to California in a couple of days. So, uh, there's a workaround. What you can do is you can come, you can find a hill coast down that thing and then pop the clutch and then get it into first gear and second gear and then pretty much you don't need a clutch anymore to transfer gears past two and so what they end up doing is which is near and dear in my heart when I was a kid my dad had the same issue I had to push that bad boy down the street man <laughs> brought back brought back memories <laughs> like I totally for I, to, I don't want to I, I, I pretty much spaced out that entire timeline of my life um, where I just chose to forget that I had to live through those those childhood traumas, and this movie brought it all back. I'm like, damn, I remember have to do that, get honked at. <laughs> 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 it's raining, getting rained on. <sighs> anyway, so they have to make that that treacherous trip. Car keeps breaking down uh, on the way. Let me, let me. So basically, let me let me give you. A, um, I'm not gonna go into huge detail of the movie, but. Overall, the the actors and actresses in the movie are are pretty good. They're, they're, they're really well, the the story is really well written. Um, one of the key scenes that pop out to me is they, they, they stayed a night in this hotel and uh, the granddad, Alan Arkin, is, uh, having, uh, like a little speech to his, uh, granddaughter saying, Hey, you know, you can do this. You're going to be great. And, uh, the next morning, uh, she wakes up and he's dead. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> and i'm like oh my gosh so she she goes into her parents hotel room because they stayed in three separate rooms they they rent out three different rooms and she goes in there says granddad won't wake up and so they take him to the hospital and the doctor delivers the bad news that uh he, he just he's lived uh, a, a crazy life uh, i assume he you know he lived in the you know the era of the 1960s where just 50s and 60s where they're just partying heavy, doing cocaine, doing drugs, you know, living life anyway. So the doctor delivers the bad news, and the one the this one scene that I laugh at. She was like, "I'm a send a bereavement counselor over here to talk to you and your family." And he, he you know, he bows his head and starts to leave, and just yells <laughs> yells the the grievous counselor name, Linda, get over here. <laughs> And so Linda comes and just says, "Hey, you know, here's all the paperwork you need to fill out." And um, he's like, "And then we'll we'll have somebody come and uh, we'll 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 tend to the body. We got a good uh, uh, what's funeral home that can come help handle the remains." And the dad's like, "Hey, you know, we got to make this trip. Uh, we got to go to California." And she's like, "That ain't happening. You know, it, it'll take an army and a whole bunch of logistics to to the transfer a body across state lines." So. They had the ingenious idea to steal the granddad's remains out of the hospital. (laughs) So that that whole scene was crazy where they're doing a lookout and they they don't, you know, know, I'm thinking and just like any other movie or any other situation, you would think they would kind of like push the body in a gurney, you know, through the double doors or something. Nah, they they defenestrate them, (laughs) you know. (laughs) And if you don't know what the word defenestrate means, it means to push out of a window.
1: (laughs) All right. That's twice you've used it on this show. Oh, that's twice. Yeah, uh, oh, yeah, that's right.
0: Uh, that's right. The first movie. Yeah. Uh, the the comedy.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: Finish straight. Remember that word. I'm very perspicacious. Mm. Yeah, yeah, gotcha. Anyway.
1: Educated by Yeah, man. we we don't want to have a bifurcation here, so just keep moving on. Ooh, your your vocabulary is quite uh, verbose, uh, man. Thank man. you. Oh, you're welcome. So, uh
0: yeah. they put the body, the dead body, in the back of the uh the van. And they proceed to drive down to California. They finally get to the hotel. And they have to they have to be there exactly at three. And so the rush of them trying to get off the off-ramp of the interstate. And you know how interstates are when you see a hotel, you're like, oh, the hotel's right there. But then the off-ramp takes you in a totally different opposite direction. So they go down to one race street in the opposite way. They had to plow through, cause they can't stop the car, because if they stop the car, uh, you know, the 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 car will give out because you have to push it again to pop the clutch. And so they finally get there and I mean, it's that she does her routine and you could just see like these kids at these pageants, you know, they take it real seriously. I mean, they, you can, it, it really looks like they starve their children, man. You know, they're not letting them eat ice cream, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is one of the things that they point out in the movie where the dad, and this is where he was an a-hole to his daughter saying, Hey, you know, they're, they're having dinner at a diner and the daughter orders ice cream for breakfast. And he says, Hey, you know, uh, models and people in, that win pageantries don't eat ice cream because they're fat and you don't want to get fat do you and I'm like mm, I wanted to slap my computer <laughs> <laughs> let the let that girl eat ice cream man she's a little kid you know so um all these girls are wearing a, a, a bunch of makeup uh, you can see it's caked on their face they got these extravagant costumes um uh these leotards and whatnot and she has you know, just basic clothes on and super long hair when everyone's, uh, all the other kids' hair dudes are, are, are up and tight in tightened buns. And so you can kind of see that this is not the world that th- they really don't want their daughter to be in, even though she's, she wants to win this competition so bad. And this is where. It, the whole family kind of clicks together. And again, there's many different scenes that shows the turmoil and the, 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 boundaries between the parents and the sons and the kids and how they fight back. And that's, it's, it's really great. I, I really advise that you do watch this movie. Um, so at the end, they they confront the mom who is helping her daughter backstage get ready for the for her talent competition and they're like hey you can't do this you know these kids and these these parents you know they take it seriously and they're gonna laugh at her we don't want to humiliate our daughter like that and she's like well she's come so far just let her go through with it and so she gets on stage and she plays uh, I'll let Jeff tell you the song because I totally forgot what it's it is it's Super Freak but it's by that, Rick James yes Super Freak yeah. <laughs> and so she gets on stage and this song is actually chosen by her, her now deceased granddad. And the choreography is, uh, like a strip tease kind of a thing. Yeah. <laughs> so she's on stage. She's like ripping her, her pants off and open her shirt and like twisting and doing these, uh, these crazy moves. And obviously the judges are like loving it. You know, they're having a good time, but the parents are just pissed off and uh the host of the the hostess of the show she's trying to shoo her off stage and the family comes together and this is their big pivotal moment to come together as a family they jump on stage to defend their daughter and they start dancing with her and uh obviously um you know for them to to get on stage and get their you know finagle their way into this uh to this pageantry uh contest um the police arrive (laughs) and so the only way they can get away with it quote unquote is if they're banned from entering any pageant uh, competition uh, within the entire state of California for life. And that's the only way they can leave, you know, scot-free, no problems. And they're like, yep, we accept that. And uh, they never, they never uh, turned back. And they, that's pretty much how the movie ends, Mm -hmm. man. So yeah, man, I liked it. It was pretty good. Uh, They had uh, some slow moments and, you know, some, some funny moments. And I do have to give it to you. Paul Dano as a young adult actor was pretty good. He played like that. He played the teenage son. I do not want to yeah. have it in my life, man. <laughs> uh, I, I wouldn't know what to do to to go to my kid and he just doesn't talk anymore. And then he writes on a piece of paper, you know, any anytime you need him, you, know, you ask him a question. And even one of the scenes where Steve Carell saying, hey, you know, how's it going? and he says i hate everyone he goes well what about your family and he underlines the word everyone i just I don't know if i how to, i don't even know how to deal with that so he he plays
1: well he his plays dad pre, is this he, twisted motivational speaker guy that demands perfection <laughs> so
0: mm, and it, and his son is the complete total opposite of yeah. that and so you can kind of see um that uh that battle between the son and uh the son and father and along with the mother as well so uh it's a pretty good story, man. I, I kind of like it.
1: So you kind of like it.
0: Um, kind of like it. <clears throat> it's not bad. It's not great. Now I know you said that you're gonna try to give me an A movie, yeah. and uh, I again, I, I I like it. Uh, but it's definitely not an A. Okay. Well, I have so uh,
1: I have this envelope. So you um, gave me at work today.
0: Yep, yep. So I didn't want to cheat or nothing like that. So as soon as the movie was done, uh, I pondered it. Uh, I, re- I rewind I rewound the movie um, looking at a few more scenes again uh, to, to check out the acting and uh, you know how the the cinematography is and all that and then I sat you know on my desk and then I pulled out a, a piece of paper and I wrote the letter score on it so uh, Jeff, you go and open up that piece of paper and uh, tell everyone what I gave the movie all
1: right, I'm opening this now. It says, Little Miss Sunshine, B minus, bruh, I gave you Django. I'll throw that out. <laughs> I'll throw that out.
0: So it's a B minus, man. Again, I liked it, but it's just not like it's not like not movie. The thing
1: is, I'm looking through my list of movies, and I I honestly know like this isn't really a Jason movie. But at the same time, you talk about how much you like uh, Scent of a Woman. Which, to me, this is better than that. Anyway, but, you know, I got no say in it. B minus is the score. B minus. So I guess it's my turn. The redness in my cheek it is has died turn. down. So
0: <laughs> I didn't slap you that let's hard, Let's talk man.
1: about Quentin Tarantino. So, I let, let's rewind to when I reviewed Lone Survivor and I said, I don't think your boy Mark Wahlberg is a good dramatic actor. And I stand by that. But you've never heard me say Quentin Tarantino isn't a good director. You've heard me say, I don't like a lot of Quentin Tarantino's movies. I'm not a fan. Mm -hmm. There's no denying his chops when it comes to directing because he has specifically Jackie Brown, which is one of my favorite movies, is excellent. And as I watched Mm -hmm. the movie you made me watch this week, Django Unchained, I really started to realize and be able to pinpoint what it is that I dislike about his movies. And it's not because it's poorly done or it's not well acted. It's just the fact that he is relentless in his presentation. There are no breaks. Mm, Everything is visceral. You're bombarded by violent imagery, violent language. And by the end of his movies, I'm kind of worn out on that. And I think that's why Jackie Brown is my favorite because it's like the least violent of his movies. I think that's why that's up there. Although I do like kill bill, but that's almost more slapstick violence than anything. Whereas the violence. And yeah, that's
0: over the top. There's just to be over the top.
1: And, and that doesn't bother me as much as like realistic violence. Like I kill bill. One of the reasons I like it is there's a lot of fodder, like the people that she mows through. You don't really care about. It's not that real. And there's a suspension of disbelief that goes with it. And then there's movies like Django. Where everything is realistic, and the death and the violence really gets to you, and after a while, uh, and so mm-hmm. let's get into the movie.
0: That's the, that's the point of a good movie. It pulls at your heartstrings. There's pulling man. at your
1: heartstrings, and I'm again, I'm not saying it's bad, and I understand why people uh, like a lot of his stuff. There's pulling at your heartstrings, and then there's just. Uh, a bombardment of is the, is the way he does things, but I'll get into that. So Django and chain came out in 2012. It stars Jamie Foxx, Christoph Waltz, Leonardo DiCaprio, Kerry Washington, Samuel Jackson, and a cast of others. Oh, and then Jonah Hill, Listed on IMDb yes, as Bagman Number Two, and we'll get into the Bagman because that scene was ridiculous. So this movie—it'd
0: be nice to see. Yeah, it.
1: this movie <laughs> deals with slavery, and there aren't many topics more serious than slavery. I mean, like, so already you're dealing with something pretty heavy. So. As the movie starts off, there's these slavers walking a group of slaves, and they're interrupted by Christoph Waltz's character, Dr. Schultz. Dr. Schultz is there to uh, purchase one of the slaves, one in particular that's from a particular farm. Uh, and through a series of events that ends up with the two slavers being murdered, he, uh, Dr. Schultz, and Django are introduced to one another. Django finds out that Christoph Waltz is a is a bounty hunter, and he has some bounties that he needs help with, and he needs help identifying some people that Django has run into, so he knows that Django can do that. So that's why he's employed him, so to speak. Uh, he mentions to Django, "Hey, I'm not, I'm against slavery. However, at this point, I'm using it to my advantage. However, if you help me do this job, I'll pay you seventy-five dollars, and I'll give you your freedom." Django's like, well, oh, that's a great deal because, one, I get to kill these guys that you're talking about that I already don't like and want to kill anyway because you find out that they have uh, beaten both Django and his wife, uh, who's played by Kerry Washington named Broom-Hil- Broomhilda.
0: Trying to find them brittle brothers, so, man.
1: Yeah, trying to find this, this trio of brothers. Uh, so they track them to a farm, or not a farm, but a plantation where Django finds out where they are. They're, they're at this plantation under another name. Uh, Django doesn't waste any time, even to the surprise of Dr. Schultz, who is, the, you find out uh, in a scene earlier, is pretty not subtle about the way he bounty hunts. He shoots people dead in the street and then gives people you know the bounty as a way of saying, hey, I'm here because of the state. I'm what I've done is legal. I've killed this guy because he's a criminal, and there's a bounty. You can't really do anything. And he's very forward. Christoph Waltz is fantastic in this movie. He's so likable. Yeah. he's really, really good. Mm-hmm. Uh, it,
0: I like his accent. Yeah, too.
1: he's a, he's a German accent. Did you know this is the guy Inspector? He's the guy. in, Spectre? He, yes. the guy in Sp- uh, he, That's why. That's that's the thing. So that's why I was so excited
0: Inspector because I knew he was going to be in it because he played such an awesome character in Django. And it just obviously it didn't yeah. translate, but we it, he is
1: one of the, the best characters in a movie. He's fantastic. And he plays opposite of a stoic and 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 brooding and angry Django by Jamie Foxx. Throughout most of the movie, Dr. Schultz is very effervescent and light, and he doesn't worry about much. You know, he's in this situation where he's got everybody pointing guns at him early in the movie, and he's just not worried about it. He's got a plan for everything and it's all under control with him. Uh, so it turns out that Django is quite the skilled bounty hunter. So uh, Django's mission is to get to his wife who was uh, resold by the the brothers. What were their names? The whatever brothers, uh, the, the Brittle, Brittle Brothers was resold. Christoph Waltz character says, hey, you're an amazing bounty hunter. Why don't you work for, with, with me? You'll get a large percentage. I think it was like, 60 70 or maybe 40 60 uh split of the bounties and then after winter's done you can go find your wife and you'll have a ton of money in your pocket and Django is like okay this sounds like the right thing to do he's going to learn some skills he's going to learn to read from uh christoph waltz and they get a budding friendship um and christoph waltz's character is german and he knows that Broomhilda, the name of Jamie Fox's wife, is also a German name. It's actually a German folk tale about a man who goes and saves a woman, Broomhilda, from on top of a hill. So it's it's clearly this
0: It's like the it's like the story from Shrek, man. Well, it's the story of this <laughs> that movie. save her from a castle. I know. It's like but I'm saying like you have to he has to climb into this up this mountain to get to get her, and there's fire breathing dragons and all that stuff.
1: Yeah, man. All Shrek. Right. They go on a tear of bounty hunting. One uh, scene, like the first bounty that Django does is this man who's actually plowing a field with his son. And he's like, "Mm, I don't really want to shoot this guy in front of his son. Dr. Schultz talks him into it. Say, hey, this is the job. This is the job you do. You either do it or you don't. So Django does it. So after their season of bounty hunting, and getting tons of money, and Django's been trained, learned how to read, learned a lot from Christoph Waltz that you just kind of get through context clues. Uh, They find out that uh, Broomhilda was sold to a plantation owned by Calvin Candy, who is played played by Leonardo DiCaprio. The plantation is known as Candyland. It's quite famous among the slave population. Django's like, well, we got the money. Let's just go up and ask to buy Broomhilda. You know, she's not particularly strong. Um, You know, so he says she's not an outside worker. She'd be a inside worker. But the problem is, is that she's been given this scar, both that her and Django have the lowercase R on their cheek, which means they're runners. They, uh, they tried to escape, I believe that's right. Mm-hmm. And so because of this scar, she's no longer fit to be one of the houseworkers, I guess, because she's I- imperfect in that way. But he says... Django says, well, what she would be is a comfort, uh, worker. And Dr. Schultz briefly is like, oh, what do you mean? By-? And he goes, oh, so basically she would be an unpaid prostitute. Uh, basically he'd have guests, uh, Candy, the guy that runs the place would have guests. And that's what she would do. She would just go in there and entertain the guests. And you can tell Django's pissed, like, and he's pissed pretty much throughout the whole movie, and for good reason. Uh, you see several flashbacks as to what happened between him and his wife, the the beatings they took, um, the torture. And anyway, so they Django's like, well, let's just go up and buy her, and we'll be done. And Christoph Waltz is like, well, that probably won't work, because this guy's really too busy and too rich to just say, hey, here's $300, give me this slave you don't really care that much about. Christoph Waltz is like, what we should do is actually offer to buy something a lot larger and then sort of throw her in as a constellation or buy her at a cheaper price, you know, while we're there, you know, that way our intentions aren't so obvious. Uh, So they go to Candyland where Calvin Candy, one of the things he specializes in is fighting slaves, slaves that fight each other for money. So, uh, other slavers will bring their biggest and baddest and toughest slaves and they'll make them fight each other. And in the case that we saw, see in the movie to the death. So there's two scenes that Jason mentioned when I watched the movie that are going to be tough to sit through. And this is the first one you walk in and the first time you're introduced to Leonardo, Leonardo DiCaprio's character, there's two slaves fighting in front of the fireplace and there's leo and this other guy watching who i guess owns the other slave and uh, essentially they probably put some money on this and you watch one slave beat another to death and like cave his eyes in with his hands and then beat him in the head with a hammer it's this is what i mean when i talk about um quentin tarantino and violence it's visceral it's head turning you know i've seen a thousand jason movies but when he when quentin tarantino directs it he makes it the most human thing possible so that it just stings that much more now i've done a lot of editing in my language uh you'll hear me say that um someone is an outside worker or an inside worker. The, the word worker in the script is replaced with the most notorious, um, what's the racial slur, uh, that can be said mm-hmm. to a black American. And it's constant. The word is thrown around ad nauseum. It's just constant. And the, it really gets to me a lot though, when it's thrown around by the white characters and the cast. And it's just like, good Lord. And it doesn't stop the whole movie. And, and I told Jason, I was like, yeah, that was hard to watch. He's like, yeah, that's what it was like. And I know, I know that's what it was like. And who the hell am I to say, Hey, cool it. You know, my problem is, is that I hear it so much in this movie. And, and if I listen to hip hop that I'm worried it'll become part of my vocabulary and that it's something I'll accidentally say or it'll slip out because I've heard it so much.
0: And it's just what... Yeah, the problem with it is these days is people don't understand the true meaning of it. They just throw it in there like it's a a normal part of your language. And that it's no longer this derogatory word. It's something that's normalized, which it completely is not. The stuff, if you go back and watch history, and I hear the stories from... You know, my, my grandparents, my great grandparents, my aunts and uncles of uh, the stuff that they heard, you know, in the, you know, the sixties, the fifties, the sixties mm-hmm. and all that stuff. And earlier times in the 1900s, uh, yeah, man, it's, it's not a great word. And it, it definitely needs to be banished off this earth for sure. Well, but, uh, that's the problem. It's not that I don't, I don't think that you, if you hear it a lot, cause you hear curse words a lot and you chose, you, you know, there's, there's some languages that you, and words that you just choose not to say. But it's just the way the culture is now. They're trying to, they're trying to make it as if it's it's not a bad word anymore. That's I think that's where you're going. Well,
1: with that. I'm not even saying that because I read a book one time and I bought it because it sounded like this sort of funny book about race relations. It, it was written by a black author called "Making Friends with Black People." And I thought, like, I read the first two chapters, I'm like, this is hilarious. It talks about just the awkwardness between race relations, and it does it in a light way. But then I got into the book further, and it kind of took a more serious turn, and it, it wasn't exactly what I was looking for. But one of the things he says that I kind of agreed with that was genius is that, man, I don't know how to say this in the most PC way possible, but essentially that word has been that has been used against Black people for so long has now been turned to where it makes us white folks uncomfortable and in a lot of ways that's kind of genius. Um but I also I don't want to say too much cuz obviously I have by virtue of being the white guy I can't really get into it much because I don't know the the what's okay to say and what's not and but that was kind of what I was saying and and going back to your point about it being a normal word in normal language this movie doesn't do that. I mean, if anything, to me this movie made the word even more offensive to me, because it was just it was yep. done in such a way that it was just like, uh, oh. you know, every time I heard it from Leonardo DiCaprio or even Samuel L. Jackson uses it in a derogatory way. Uh we'll get to his character. I don't want to go on too long. We're actually at that point. So they basically they they show this fight and Christoph Waltz says, I want to purchase someone to fight, a fighting slave. And obviously you wouldn't sell me your top one. And they kind of go back and forth about, you sell me your number one, your number two, or number three. And Christoph Waltz has asked Jangle to play a person who, what's the word I want to use? Appraises uh, the value of a fighting slave. There's a point where Dr. Schultz says, yeah, you, you need to kind of play this person who appraves and he said what you're asking me to do is to be a back a black slaver which is worse than being the head house slave because there's a, a negative connotation there because there's sort of this right hand man and, and we'll get into that and so they kind of say hey the, all, we're willing to offer you a ton of money like fourteen thousand or twelve thousand dollars for uh this top tier slave so we're not slouches when it comes to money this obviously piques candy's interest because that's a lot of money so he invites him over to his main plantation where they know brunhilde is so they arrive there and you're introduced to samuel l jackson who is <laughs> it's like hard for me to say he's hilarious because this you can say it he's hilarious hilarious in (laughs) in the movie but what he does is offensive at the same time because he is you immediately tell that samuel jackson's character who is the head house slave is very comfortable with leonardo dicaprio's character like talking back to him like who the hell is this you brought to my house you know and leo's like explaining things to him and there's no like the whole time you've seen leo on the way here I was on the way to where they're going. A very important scene happens. And it's the second most disturbing scene in the movie where one slave is up in a tree because he ran away. And the reason he ran away is because he didn't want to fight anybody anymore. He's won all three, two or three of the fights that he's been in. And he just doesn't want to do it anymore. He's heartbroken. He doesn't want to kill people. His hand is being forced. So Leonardo DiCaprio is like, well, if you don't fight, you really have no worth to me. Who's going to reimburse me? And Dr. Schultz, who is very much against slavery and and sees everyone as people, is like, well, I'll reimburse you. You don't have to kill this guy because he saw where it was going. And Django has to play the part of this ruthless slaver. And he says, no, he won't. He won't reimburse you. The, the steps that Django has to go to to get his wife back includes watching an innocent slave die at the hands of dogs as he's shredded. And you can tell that there's a moment where Leonardo DiCaprio is looking at Django, looking at him in the eyes while this slave gets torn to pits by a dog. And he's like, your friend talking about Dr. Schultz is having a hard time. And he's like, yeah. Well, he's never seen a man rip apart before, and you get the idea that the slave life for Django, he's seen this before. This isn't new to him. It's just like this again. The scene where the character, the the actor who plays the slave, is doing such an amazing job of of being broken down and being sad, and as the viewer, you just want him to be free. And he's torn to shreds because he doesn't want to kill anymore. And it it's the toughest scene to sit through. Even worse than the two fighting slaves that happened previously. It's just like, it was heartbreaking. That's it. I mean, so they get to this place and, oh, so Samuel Jackson is crushing, it's, right? It's brutal, man. Like, when I go back and think about this movie, like at work today, I started tearing up. It's just a heartbreaking thing. And and Tarantino does not pull punches with what he shows you and how he shows you things. And at times I feel like his movies are very, what's the word I want to use? Exploitive. Like the violence... And the sexuality and the language can be quite exploitive in a lot of his movies. One movie I don't like is, mm-hmm. but this uh, one, one movie I don't like is Pulp Fiction. This one has a, for that reason, I feel like the violence is senseless. Yeah, yeah. The language is exploitive in this movie. It all serves a purpose. Yes,
0: that's exactly what I was going to say to interrupt you, but yeah, go ahead. this, this actually serves right. a purpose.
1: And it, it's, it's like Schindler's list levels of unwatchable. and, Schindler's List is a movie where what happens has to be in there for you to see how bad the Holocaust really was. And this movie does that with slavery in America. This is how bad it was. This is how dehumanized these people were. Anyway, it's tough to talk about this movie and not. Anyway, so Samuel, there's a couple so let's have some comic relief. There's a couple pieces of comedy relief in this movie. The first one is uh, after they kill the brittle brothers, they they run off and they know that the leader of this plantation is going to come with his guys and they're going to kill them because they lied to the leader of the plantation, and so they all run out and they've all got there's like twenty or thirty of these white guys from the plantation they chasing after Django and dr schultz and they've all got bags in their heads and the leader is like doing this speech about what we're gonna do and then like he stops he goes damn it it's hard as hell to see out of this mask and they all have like pillowcases <laughs> with holes and then it breaks down to where like and the leader is uh
0: the leader is don johnson
1: <laughs> oh that's don jo- oh, that was don johnson Okay.
0: Yeah, that was Don. He Johnson. was unrecognized. <laughs> and his his character's name is. His character name is Big okay. Daddy,
1: <laughs> so he's bitching about how the mask he can't see out of it, and then everybody starts complaining. And the one guy takes his mask off, and it's Bagman number two, aka Jonah Hill, just randomly in this movie. And they're all complaining about the bags, <laughs> and the holes. And one of the guys rips the bags off. He goes, "Listen, man, I had my wife spend all day cutting twenty bags with holes in the eyes, and don't ask nothing for me ever again." And he runs off. And, and it's just, it was so funny. Like they're, they're these hate filled guys. So they're going to go do this and they, they just having trouble with the bags on their head. And it was so ridiculous. Um, and it was really funny. So the other funny part is when Samuel Jackson sees Django on a horse, which they mentioned early on is you don't see a lot of black men or women on a horse back in these days. He immediately is like livid that, Django's going to be staying in the house. What's the line? I don't... Uh, he just says some very inappropriate stuff. He actually kind of gets in the face of Leonardo DiCaprio, which up until this point, you see that Leonardo DiCaprio is ruthless. He doesn't take any lip from any slaves at all. And yet here comes Samuel Jackson, who is just giving him the business. He's mad and he's like, why is this guy staying in my house? Anyway, it's really funny scene, but then it, it quickly just turns serious again, which is like this sharp right turn. You find out that Brunhilde is actually on the property in a hot box, which is basically this hole in the ground with a metal grate on top where she's stuck underneath roasting in the heat because you find out that earlier she had tried to run away. Brunhilde knows German and Dr. Schultz is German under the guise of Wanting to have some companionship for the night, he asked that this, what was the, the woman you said you have who speaks German? Oh, yeah, Brunhilde. Yes, I'd like her to be in my quarters. And so, uh, you know, Brunhilde shows up in Dr. Schultz's room and he kind of preps her. You know, he's like, hey, um, we have a mutual friend. I don't want you to scream. Promise not to scream. And she says she was. She, they open the door. Django's there. She sees him. Uh, he says, hey, they're troublemaker. And she faints. So now they've been reunited. I got to keep moving because I'm running long. I always run long. But there's a lot in this movie. So,
0: <laughs> a so There's a lot to cover. It's a three-hour movie. Yeah,
1: it's a three-hour movie. And they're discussing, um, again, they are pretending to be at Candyland to buy a fighting slave to buy one of the top three. And so they're negotiating pricing at the table and Samuel Jackson's character starts to notice just some body language between Brunhilde and Django. And he realizes, Hey, those two know each other and he pieces together this plan that Django and Dr. Schultz have come up with to leave with Brunhilde and so anyway, they agree on a price for the fighting slave and they say, you know, I'll need five days. That's a lot of money. Let me go talk with my banker and get this check done and we'll get it notarized and all this stuff. I'll be back in five days. And um, Leonardo DiCaprio says, yep, sounds good. So he kind of in passing, Dr. Schultz is like, you know, while we're at it, you do you have any need for Brunhilde? And Candy says, no, I don't. And he's like, well, what do we say we talk about purchasing her? And Samuel kind of stops the situation and says, I, can you talk to me in the library? He tells Leonardo DiCaprio. So you get to the library and like all of the pretense is gone. Now you can tell that Leonardo DiCaprio and Samuel Jackson's character are more than just slave and master. There is friendship there that Samuel Jackson actually cares about his master, uh, Leonardo DiCaprio, he tells him, he's like, hey man, these people are taking you for a ride. Uh, they're not here to buy a fighting slave. They're here to take Brunhilda and leave. And they were going to get Brunhilda for like $300 and leave. So Leonardo DiCaprio listens to this says, oh, you're totally right. I see it now. Wow, they almost got me. So Leonardo DiCaprio through a lot of theatrics reveals to them that he knows that what they're up to. And he says, they basically have point guns at Dr. Schultz point guns at Django and say, Hey, uh, you're not leaving without paying me the $12,000 we had agreed upon. And all you're getting is Brunhilde for twelve twelve thousand $12,000 as we agreed upon. So at gunpoint, they agree to this deal. They do the paperwork, get his seal on it, his stamp. So now she legally, Belongs to Dr. Schultz. And the very first thing he does is sign a document freeing her. So within this span of them finding out now Brunhilde is a free woman. Uh, They've had success. So as they're about to leave, Leonardo DiCaprio says, you need to shake my hand. In the South, we don't make a deal. Deal's not done until you shake my hand. And he threatens to shoot Brunhilde if 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 they leave without shaking his hand. And Dr. Schultz has too much pride to shake this, to shake this monster's hand. Yeah. He, he had a conversation with him about seeing that slave chewed alive by his dogs. They show a sequence where Dr. Schultz can't even get it out of his mind. It's all he can think about is this guy dying in front of him under gunpoint. He insists on a handshake. So Dr. Schultz goes up to shake his hand and he has like a retractable gun that shoots out of his jacket sleeve And he shoots Leonardo DiCaprio in the heart. Samuel Jackson freaks out. He's very upset. He goes to cover him. Dr. Schultz turns to Django and says, I'm sorry, I couldn't resist. So one of Candy's loyal gunmen shoots down Dr. Schultz and a shootout ensues. And eventually Django in a bloody shootout. There's a scene in the hallway where they're like in the main foyer of, of this huge plantation home. And they're shooting from these guys outside and Django's inside shooting at the guys outdoors. And there's a guy in the middle who's on the ground who just keeps getting shot in the knee by both Django <laughs> and his own people. It's just like this guy just getting shot up from everywhere. Well, anyway, they end up capturing Django because they threaten to kill Brunhilde. So now Brunhilda is back in their custody Django, the next scene, he's butt naked, hanging upside down. And one of Candy's loyal guys comes in and says he's going to basically take a hot knife to Django's genitals. Uh, Samuel Jackson comes in, stops him, says, no, there's been a change of plans. He's being sold to this mining company where it's the worst place he could possibly be. I'm going to start speeding through this now. So they're moving down and Quentin Tarantino shows up in the movie uh, alongside another two people quentin tarantino and this other guy have these australian accents for no reason at all and then there's like a main guy (laughs) with a regular american accent not regular but for this location it's what would make sense and Django says hey you know you guys are missing out on a lot of money there were two bounties back there or three or so and he pulls out the um wanted poster from his first bounty that Dr. Schultz asked him to keep on him, says, hey, these guys are back there. I, I'm a bounty hunter. I, I rode in with, I'm not a slave. I rode in with this doctor who is also a bounty hunter. And to corroborate this, they talk to the slaves that they also have in the back of their like trailer behind their horses. And they say, yeah, what he's saying is true. He is a bounty hunter. He did ride in on a horse. And so they're like, oh, this is free money. We'll just go in with Django. And so they give Django a gun and Django wastes no time. He shoots down all three of them immediately. As soon as the gun is in his hand, he goes, pow, 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 and they're dead. He grabs a horse. He grabs TNT. He rides back to the, um, plantation to Candyland, Candyland. He shoots the hell out of everyone, including Candy's sister. Uh, he frees the slaves that are there. He grabs Brunhilda. they walk outside, he rigs something to blow up, or he lights some dynamite, the house explodes, and Brunhilde and him ride off in credits. All right.
0: Yep. I, now, one thing, I know you skipped over real quick. I had to. The, so yeah, I know movie. you had to, but <laughs> <laughs> the, scene, the, the just of the, the satisfaction when Samuel L. Jackson, the character Stephen, finally dies by the hands of Django is fantastic. Because he needed to die. <laughs> yeah. But, yep.
1: Uh, yeah. <laughs> okay.
0: <laughs> what did you think, man? Let me
1: take a breath. The performances are fantastic. Everyone's great. Christoph Waltz is A plus Oscar worthy material in this movie. Jamie Foxx is amazing. Leonardo DiCaprio is great because... I hated his guts and I wanted him like after a while, you forget you're watching Leo. And when I mentioned why I don't like, uh, I keep going back to poor Mark Wahlberg, but I often just see Mark Wahlberg in his movies. But after a while you stop seeing Leo and you start seeing the character. I hated his guts. Uh, and there were so many characters I hated. And this movie is my type of movie in that. I like a vengeance movie. I like a John wick, but John wick doesn't take itself this seriously. John wick is not difficult to watch and there's just so much about this movie. That's difficult to watch, but not because it's bad. And I can't really point at anything and fault it at all. I can't fault one thing. I, because my problems with the movie are there because they need to be there. And it's a plus film. It's fantastic from start to finish. It's not boring. It's important. It, and it, It affected me in a way that, uh, you know, a movie is supposed to, but in a way that is like haunting at the same time, like literally tearing up at work, thinking about it because it's just so visceral, so brutal. And, uh, I, I, the same time I say that it's an A-plus movie, I hated watching several parts of it. There were parts where the action's amazing and the shootouts and where Christoph Waltz very early on shoots this guy's horse and it's just like out of nowhere. And there's things that are really great. And then there's things that are hard to watch. And at the end of the day, it's what it was supposed to be.
0: And that's the thing too. I mean, I was kind of shocked when we made this list and I, you, you said you haven't seen Django, but at the same time, I'm not shocked because there's not many people who want to sit through that, you know, that type of movie. You know, it's just about yeah. slaves, you know, it's, uh, so I understood, but I was really glad. I was like, I couldn't, I actually couldn't wait to throw this on the episode because I knew I honestly, thought and i knew that you this is a great move for you to see man and yeah i'm glad you saw
1: it and so to your point though there's a video game that this developer this indie developer made and it was called that dragon cancer and it was about a child that was born with cancer and he thought that piracy was the reason people hadn't played it and i was like i don't think the reason people haven't played it is because of, of piracy i think the reason you haven't seen a lot of sales is because the material you're talking about a lot of people just don't want to think about Like it, it changed the way I think about America's past and slavery as a whole. And just, it is tough to watch. It's hard to watch. Uh, But it was amazing. And um, I'm glad I watched it. I don't know if I'll ever sit through it again. Uh, You say that you watch it all the time, but you, you have a different perspective. uh, And, and than me, I, I mean, from your background. So I, I don't know what, what does this movie mean to you?
0: Uh, just uh, everything you point out. I I, I actually see it as something. And I like this, this type of podcast that we have to kind of, to teach people about what we went through, you know, back in my family went through back in the day to point out, Hey, these, why this word is such a bad word, what these, People went through it as slaves and slave owners, and I can tell you straight up the reason that uh, my family is so light skinned is because my great 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 granddad, or our grandmom, was um, you know, was one of those type of women that had to get uh, pleasure. You know, their their masters. So that's why, you know, our family's lighter skinned than than most other, you know, black families out there. So this really. This movie, uh, I, it, it hit, it hits home, man, you know, for a whole family side. And I mean, obviously it's not like a true story, but it just shows, uh, you know, like you said, uh, how the history of America was, uh, and, and how, um, you know, the Emancipation Proclamation finally took us to the right steps that we need to, need to be. And then ultimately then we have Martin Luther King Jr. So that's where we're at.
1: Yeah. All right. So we yeah. got to do a hard pivot.
0: well hey man you got an a plus
1: i'm I'm getting a plus a's out of you man i'm 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 disappointed though because i'm (laughs) trying i look down my list of movies and i'm like i don't know if any of these are a pluses because a lot of my a pluses i've already asked you to watch you know what i mean have i given you an a plus movie that you can think of
0: uh off the top of my head you always do this off the cuff stuff like you're like hey man what's that what's the type of movie you love? And you know, I love rom-coms and I can't even think of it, you know? Oh yeah. I like action movies. <laughs> yeah.
1: I, I, I'm trying um, to think of movies I've asked you to watch in the past that, and I know a lot of them aren't a like, I, you know, I love baseball. I've seen it a thousand times, but I wouldn't even give that an a plus myself.
0: I'll say that the most recent one that you give me, that's definitely an a plus is uh Spider-Man into the spider verse.
1: Oh, you yep. made me watch. That. I agree. We agree on that. That is an a plus. Um, yep. So, who wants to give who a movie first? Uh, who went last time? I want to say you went first last time.
0: All right, yeah, go ahead. Because, go.
1: I, yeah, I gave, yeah, you went first last time because after I went, you said, I gave this fool Django.
0: Yep. <laughs> yeah, you go first.
1: All right, so let's let's have the, the rule of one degree of separation. Uh, I'm going to give you a movie that... Uh, stars Jamie Foxx return the favor now I haven't seen this movie in a long while but I remember enjoying it and I think when I tell you the cast you're going to be on board at least like I always try to undersell the movies before I give them to you this time it's going to be hard for me to do It stars Jamie Foxx Jada Pinkett and Smith uh, Hulk himself Mark Ruffalo and Tom Cruise so pretty good cast all right it is a action thriller called Collateral. Yeah. It is available I've on HBO. Seen... You do not have to go looking for it.
0: Yay! We don't need a Patreon page.
1: Yay! Pay for our rentals. <laughs> cool. Yeah, man. I I, I now I'm gonna rewatch it, it too because it has been several years since I've seen it, uh, but I I do remember enjoying it and you know it's a cast that both you and I like, so.
0: You know it's funny. I have photographic memory, so every time you tell me a movie, I instantly see the movie poster. So I see it like in my mind right now, and yeah, um, I remember back in the day I had all intentions of watching it, but I just, I just never did. I
1: think <laughs> of the movies I've, I've recommended. This might be the most Jason type movie. I think. All right, cool. I'm Oh, re- oh, I'm excited now. Okay, cool. You should cool. be. I can't help. I can't listen. <laughs> I undersell it, and you're not excited. That makes sense, but Tom Cruise, Jamie Foxx, Mark Ruffalo, Jada Pinkett Smith is an action thriller.
0: Yep. Come well, on. Cool. I'm all about it. I'm all about it. All right, cool. So I, I gave you Django, and I knew you are going to love it. I was expecting at least an A, and you gave it an A+. Plus and uh, Can I, I have just, I've given a reward,
1: you... like a comedy, <laughs> something nice and light?
0: So listen, man.
1: About a ninety-minute film, please.
0: <laughs> I wouldn't say it's a reward, you know.
1: I'm just—I <laughs> oh. <I'm,
0: laughs> I don't think you deserve a, a reward, you know. What I'm saying I'm, I'm giving you movies that I know you're just gonna love, like back to back to back to back to back. You know what I'm saying? But uh, I, we have this long-going joke now that you know I haven't given you a comedy yet, and you know what? You get one, bro. Yeah. You get. You happy?
1: Can I guess? Getting one. So, is it show time? All right, so, is it time?
0: Show time. No, it's not show time, bro. You ain't getting that yet. <laughs> listen, now, don't get
1: mad. Don't oh, mad, no. <laughs> You're going to undersell a podcast. You're going to undersell a movie now. Don't be mad, okay? So, listen. One of the
0: coolest movies oh, that I've seen recently-
1: Does This start is Star Tyler Trek, Perry?
0: right? No, no, no. It's uh, Man, uh, stop uh, killing me, man. Listen- <laughs> I'm not mad at you. If I was mad at you, I'd give you that. All right? All right. <laughs> so Star Trek, right? Now, Star Trek has Chris Pine and all that. And then who's that one character who plays Sulu? S- yeah, Sulu, right?
1: Uh Oh, yes. oh no. Oh, Steven
0: no. Chow, right? Oh, no, John no. Chow. John Chow. So we got John Chow. Oh, we got Cal Penn.
1: No. Bruh, you is got your comedy? This is what you want? Don't, don't make me watch the second one. At least give me the first one first.
0: Of course I'm going to give you the first right. one. Harold and Kumar, God. go to White yes, Castle. Yeah,
1: this is not a reward. I wanted Showtime. Hey, I bro, wanted you got Eddie Murphy and Robert, not Robert. Yeah, Robert De Niro.
0: You'll get that sometime oh. when I feel like you should get it. But yes, you got your comedy. Hey, listen, man. You were pushing my buttons, so I, I gave you this comedy.
1: cool collateral.
0: Now you haven't even seen it in a long yeah, time. Yeah, that's true. It's not like I'm giving you
1: some sort of gym. I'm not expecting an A this week. I've given up on trying to give you an A. Uh, you know, I'm just going to give you what I want to give you, and maybe one day I'll hit it.
0: A, hey, the others was really close. That was a strong B+, plus, borderline A-, minus.
1: I think when I give you Train to Busan, whenever I get around to doing it, I need to do it before they take it off of Netflix, but I think, I think that's going to be an A for you. I hope. Okay. It's awesome. We'll see.
0: Well, I can tell you right now, I mean, I know a Jeff movie. And I think you would like this, but it's definitely not an a, I know you're not giving it a, right. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> but Hey man, I might be surprised. You might, you might love it. Cause I can quote a bunch of lines in this movie and, uh, yeah, man, I, I could watch this movie all day.
1: So. Yeah. All right. Uh, well, we want to thank you for listening. Uh, as always you, uh, can follow us on Twitter at film soliloquy. Our music is brought to you by Sir flame. You can find him on Instagram and Twitter at Set It On Flame. Also, you can check out his music anywhere you stream music. His latest release is called Burn Notice Two. Uh, I think that's about it. Anything else? That's it, man. All right. Well, join us next Wednesday for more film soliloquy. Yeah.
0: Yeah, like we always do at this time. I go for mine and made plans for yours because I got the shine. Go bar for bar, go line for line. Like Kobe in 99, I'm so close to prime. Bad bitch by my side, I'm so close behind. We living in a the moment, there's no post to bind. You think there was a deal that I'm supposed to sign. The gang's just a mountain that I'm supposed to climb. I remember, man, 11 years old when I made it to go. Up in Fairville, I related to cold. Fresh bubble jacket, shit, I hated the cold. But when winter come around, we would play in the snow. They had an up-north swag, so I...